Hello and welcome to Scholar on the Belt and Road podcast. I'm your host, Olim Alimov. Today we're bringing you a special episode from Baku, Azerbaijan, where I attended the 7th Global Baku Forum organized by Nizami Ganjavi Center. The NJIC, as it is commonly known, is an international institution that's been dedicated to prominent philosopher and poet of the 12th century. The center acts to nurture intercultural dialogue, learning and understanding, and the promotion of values of peace, justice, and human rights. Today, the Nizami Ganjavi International Center is a network of top global thinkers among them nearly a hundred former president and prime ministers representing more than 50 countries. The three-day forum really impressed me, not only having hosted more than 500 participants with more than 200 high-level guests, but also with its open and unofficial, if you will, approach to discussing the most pressing world issues. Specifically, I appreciated how warm and friendly open-minded and willing to engage were the leaders with scholars, business people, and young leaders. The dynamic was certainly there, and the environment was very comfortable. Among the current leaders, uh, the participants included the host, Mr. Ilham Aliyev, President of Azerbaijan, also President of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani, President of Bulgaria, Albania, and other heads of European states. As I mentioned, there were many former heads of state, prime ministers, as well as other dignitaries from around the world. Ten panels were held covering issues like the Middle East to China's development and its effect on the world. The organizers did a superb job, and what's most impressive, that the Nizami team is mostly made up of young people. Its Secretary General Rafan Muradov is only 32 years old and its Deputy Secretary Raza Aliyev is 30. Raza is a commercial analyst now at British Petroleum based in London. He was a private banker after receiving his Masters of Arts in Diplomacy and International Affairs in 2011 at the Azerbaijan Diplomatic Academy in Baku. Raza is pursuing his PhD now in economics at the Academy of Public Administration. He won the prestigious Goodwill Ambassador Award from the U.S. Congress and Children United Nations in recognition of international support to the welfare of children and the fight against trafficking. He is the special envoy of Children Uniting Nations also World Academy of Arts and Sciences, Junior Fellow and a very active participant in Club of Rome and Club de Madrid meetings. I have had the pleasure to speak to Raza about the forum and its vision as well as Young Leaders program that he started when he was the first Schwarzman Scholar in Tsinghua University in Beijing. Raza is a very engaging and very open young leader and I'm proud to call him a friend. I hope you will enjoy this episode. (music) 
Zal, first and foremost, congratulations on a very successful 7th Global Baku Forum organized by Nizami Ganjavi Center. Can you share about what the center is all about and what the grand vision for the forum? Uh, thank you, Alim. Um, this year is the 7th Global Baku Forum that we have and um, it's been the largest so far and we've been having more than 550 guests. Uh, from all over the world and the vision and the true kind of mission of the center is to build a platform where you can have people from different countries no matter how much of the diplomatic relationship they have or they don't they can come and share their experience to share their vision but at the same time di- discuss discuss their uh, disagreements in things for example we had the israel and the middle east for example panel where they were the people who were actually making the decisions and have been part of the process could talk face-to-face. Or you have Russia and Ukraine, for example, uh, talking about uh, their uh, uh, different visions of the situation and so on. So the other beautiful part of it is that we touch on different aspects of life as well, of life being politics, be it economics, be it uh, cultural diversity, be it the sustainable development goals, and trying to move those words into the actions or to into the set of the recommendations. So what are the dynamics that you see right now? Uh, for example, yesterday uh, I saw an interesting um, uh, picture where we had the Arab leaders uh, from Egypt and from Saudi Arabia and from other countries sitting together, um, having very casual conversations. And I've heard someone say that in reality, when it comes to politics, they're in major disagreements. Uh, now, is this the vision that you've had seven years ago for these leaders uh, to come and to casually and freely discuss their disagreements, not just on the podium, but outside? Absolutely, absolutely, Lim. So in terms of the scope, in terms of the uh, our strategy and vision is that, of course, we have the panels, uh, but at the same time, there are a lot of bilateral meetings, there are a lot of just coffee talks and meetings in the breakfast where you can see countries which do not have any diplomatic relationships or they don't like each other in real world can sit and talk. And the beauty of uh, having so much representation from the former heads of states is that they have a huge baggage of experience and wisdom at the same time they are, have, are still very influential and powerful in their, play, uh, their countries but at the same time they're not limited within or they're not very strictly limited within the diplomatic uh, strategy and the diplomatic words that usually they are entitled to if they were incumbent presidents or prime ministers they can talk freely and they can be those channels, the back channels to deliver the messages to their respective governments and uh, heads of states Usually in politics, that's how uh, the world works, right? The back channels. And you can see a lot from here. And we've counted more than 200 current and former, mostly former leaders that are here. How did you able to get all of them into one platform? It seems like a very difficult task. It is indeed. Um, We started very slow, very slow. And we had only six uh, former heads of states at the first Global Baco Forum. But then I guess with the building this kind of a open platform uh, makes them come back, but at the same time bring their friends. The world is uh, very uh, dynamic, and these heads of states, they have the agenda full years ahead. But then they always have Baku, Baku, Global Baku Forum has turned into that, well, uh, one of those events where 
they already know that next year in March there will be the eighth Global Baku Forum. And I think the same with Davos, for example, or the same with the UN General Assembly. The Baku Global Baku Forum has turned into one of those events in terms of the openness. But at the same time, if you think about it, the, the United Nations General Assembly, you have a huge representation, but at the same time, as I said, the line of the speech there is very formal and very official. Davos is mostly focused on the business, whereas Global Baku Forum has turned into the kind of a break in between those very intense travels and negotiations where they can meet their friends or make new friends, listen to the youth or listen to some professors, uh, world-class professors or the journalists and kind of enjoy their time. Right. Now, uh, take me back a little bit when it comes to the beginning, to the inception of Global Baku Forum. Uh, who had this idea? Why did you have this idea? And what were the hurdles in the beginning to have those leaders understand that this is an important opportunity for them to gather? I think the idea has always been there um, for everyone, right? Everyone wants to have a platform where they can come talk and meet people and make turn the words into the action. Uh, when um, the Secretary General, Ravshan Muradov, and myself were back uh, in 2011, we were the youth ambassadors of the United Nations, and we were working on the youth resolution, um, and we spent a lot of time working on those. I was working on the part of the missing and exploited children. And then I've, that was a kind of a bit disappointing throughout the process of that, that it's just the words, and they're very much regulated. And what we wanted to do is to make sure that there is an open platform where we can actually do something. It's very difficult. As, if, as the member of some or current leader or diplomat, it's very difficult to create the ideas, dream, and then make your dreams come true. It takes a lot of bureaucracy. It takes a lot of time. Whereas here, I would give you an example. During the uh, Ukraine-Russia crisis, for example, Ukrainian war, or in Ukraine, we organized a um, visit, the kind of deep dive of the uh, visit of 10, 15 former heads of states to Ukraine uh, to understand on the ground what's happening there. And it was an amazing eye-opening experience because we, one thing is what you see in, on TV, but the other thing is when you are actually there and there, you know, Maidan and then there are like, shootings and everything else and then you know, Donetsk and Lugansk happening. Another example, amazing example, for example, is that when this refugee crisis happened, we had under the auspices of President Rosen Plevnely of Bulgaria, we did an amazing event in Bulgaria. We gathered everyone together, the current heads of states and the former heads of states from Balkans, and we sat there for two days and we said, okay, no one knows what's happening. There's this huge flow of people. Let's come up with some recommendations. You, former heads of states, you have amazing experience. Current heads of states, you have a power of implementing those. And they sat there, and it's very difficult for the politicians to agree in two days on something. But they set up, they came up with 12 recommendations. And they signed uh, under, under that, each of them. And those were amazing. And then we sent them off to the United Nations, to the international organizations. And those presidents took those. It's like a brainstorming session for the presidents, right? You don't really have that much of those uh, here. So the, this vision was there. And I think um, it's been implemented and grow, it's been growing since then. The... Uh, general feedback that we got from the 7th Global Baku Forum was that it's unusually open discussions. People were not expecting it to be, the new people that are coming, they were not expecting it to be that open uh, and honest. Well, that's truly impactful when you do have those leaders uh, that maybe politically are out of that spectrum in their own countries, but they have so much 
experience and uh, so much that they can give back to the international community that you utilize that experience uh, go around the world and try to solve all these problems now my question is is there anything similar to global baku forum maybe the question is who are your competitors <laughs> now we have a lot of events going on in the world there are, there are events in russia in kazakhstan ukraine um, that are happening, of course, in China as well. But I think one thing, well, uh, NJIC is the second largest club of the former heads of states in terms of the numbers. Uh, and uh, Who's the first? Uh, club de Madrid. Right. Club of Madrid. Uh, but in terms of the um, competitive advantage, let's say, that we have, that we also uh, engage a lot of current presidents, current heads of state. This year we had seven uh, current heads of states joining us. Uh, and um, another competitive advantage that we have very strong uh, position in terms of, for example, Balkan countries, or uh, you know, Middle East and Near East, Israel, for example, or Jordan and Lebanon, and those are the areas where usually when the international organizations create the easiest way to get former heads of states or current heads of states or you know active politicians is the Western world. Uh, and for us, we're trying to uh, focus as well. To, of course, we have a lot of representatives from the Western world as well, but we're trying to uh, strengthen our positions as well in the more challenging uh, places to get the uh, influential opinion leaders. Now, many young leaders, especially studying abroad, especially from our SEO region, they dream to give something back to their country. Uh, you've certainly achieved that, having the seventh Baku Forum. The president was here. What does the uh, leadership of Azerbaijan thinks of um, uh, Global uh, Baku Forum? And just tell us about how important their support is in this. Uh, absolutely, President Hamalif's support has been incredible. It's been always there from the very first day. He has been attending every single Global Baku Forum and has been meeting with our members, with our board members and our guests. And this is uh, extremely important. Uh, without his support, it would be totally impossible because the whole uh, financing, for example, or the whole organizational part, the security and everything else, no matter how big you are, you can have a private donors, you know, sponsors and everything else. The government support is much bigger than money. Absolutely. It's the uh, whole power and the uh, support that they give makes Global Baku Forum very special. And um, in terms of the um, support of the first family as well, so last year we had the first lady coming in as well. She was awarded the, uh, our award, the Nizami Genjave Award. Uh, the daughters of the president were here supporting the young leaders uh, last year and listening and contributing to the discussions. And that's why the government has been extremely, extremely helpful. You've just mentioned the young leaders. We're having this discussion right now uh, during the uh, panel discussion of the Young Leaders Program. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, when did it come about? What is the vision for the Young Leaders Program? And how do you uh, expect the program to grow? Yeah, uh, so um, the Young Leaders Program, uh, we started incorporating the young leaders as a program three years ago. And the, uh, that was when I was a Schwarzman scholar in Beijing. And I realized suddenly that, and we were interacting with a lot of young people there as well. And I realized that the young leaders, as we call them, or let's say the people who can actually make the impact, or they've been doing impact, uh, are living in their own kind of bubbles. You know, the Schwarzman scholars 
network is mostly the Schwarzman scholars. The Rhodes are, you know, living in their own uh, network and Gates Foundation, everything. And uh, there is not much of the platform for them to interact in between each other. There is, of course, the you know the Davos where they go as well and everything else. But it's not just focused on them. So what we did. Um, that will in parallel with Global Baku Forum, will have the Young Leaders Forum where they can interact with each other, meet with, with each other, and kind of cross culture, cross scholarships, cross countries, and share with each other and make some friends from one side. From the second part, having 550 guests, out of which you know 20, 25 are young leaders, gives them an amazing exposure to the leaders, former leaders or current uh, leaders, and the quality of the conversations and the outcome of the conversations have been amazing. We've had amazing success stories where the one of the young leaders few, two years ago, I think, uh, approached one uh, former prime minister and said, oh, like, I really like your activities. I really love what you've done and your uh, heritage. But why you don't have any books? Why you didn't write the memoirs? And I was at the dinner, and he was like, oh, you know what, actually, that's amazing. Thank you for raising that, and thank you for liking my activities and my heritage. I have been writing a lot of you know, notes, and they're all somewhere there, you know, audio notes or something, while during my presidency. But I never had a chance or time to actually sit and collect those together. And he was like, oh, I'm your biggest fan. Do you mind? And he said, no, of course. Not. Now they're writing a book about wow. uh, And as an outcome, the other couple of, uh, a lot of uh, young leaders got their mentors, and I've been in touch since then, you know, very, very actively and writing, helping them to write articles, co-editing and so on, or just creating some projects together. And that's why the impact that these uh, communications and this network can have on the young leaders is tremendous. The same, for example, for us, right? So when Ravshan and myself were, I was, what, 20, 20, 21 year old, um, when President Freiberg, for example, and Dr. Ismail, our two co-chairs. Uh, we, well, I was twenty. We were, I was twenty years old, and when we met and we talked with from with them, and we, then they became our mentors and have believed in the idea, and they've been supporting since then. They've been traveling with us to support NJIC all over, from Australia to New York to China, uh, and this support, just the sparkle, comes from the one meeting and one kind of chemistry that works there. Amazing. It seems to me that this is a truly amazing platform for the young people, young leaders, and for the current and former leaders to engage in uh, not only, as you say, in a free uh, type of um, uh, scope and way, right? But at the same time, maybe do you have a vision for the young leaders to uh, program to be institutionalized, maybe something along the lines of the global shapers, or of the uh, as from Davos Forum, or of the or of the APEC Forum, or the G20. Uh, do you envision any of that in the future? Uh, I think so. Uh, I think uh, so far we've been having the alumni who have been very very friendly with, uh, and from different years they've been keeping in touch, getting together, and so on. So once the alumni bases. Bit grow, as it has been set, then we'll right. definitely have that. And I think, you know, coming back to my first point, I think one great thing that we managed also to do is that the presidents, the, the, the politicians, they absolutely love it as well. So when we tell, tell our young leaders that this is the platform, just go there on the stage, there'll be a daughter of Robert Kennedy, for example, there, and you know, the, this president and that president sitting there and listening to you, and you can just, and they're like, okay, so what should we talk about? And I'm like, 
you should decide. You can decide there's no, uh, absolute freedom. And that kind of experience has been amazing, eye-opening for uh, the leaders as well, for the, for the current and former heads of states and the politicians and opinion leaders. Because we had the case when, from the panel, from the stage, one young leader would sit and talk to the current president saying, like, Mr. President, I do not agree with your policy. Mm. And the president, you, I was shocked. I was like, mm, something's going to be bad here after that. Uh, and he will probably stand up and leave. But he absolutely loved it. They had, after that panel, they had like two-hour discussion, and the president was trying to understand what exactly went wrong, how it could be better, and so on. So the impact that the young leaders can actually have on the current and former heads of states, other politicians, can be tremendous through the Young Leaders Forum here. Absolutely, and you can see from the engagement how many questions are being posed to the young leaders. And it seems those uh, former uh, leaders, those former presidents, prime ministers, they have a little retrospective. They can actually think of what they have done right, what they have done wrong, and they see a lot of them in the young leaders. Now, do you think that kind of opportunity allows for them to engage even more than the way they engage here on the forum? Absolutely. I was, uh, while the previous panel was there, I was seeing Amr Musa, the former head of the Arab League, sitting there and listening very carefully to the, uh, our, one of our young leaders from Egypt, and then talking, telling to the Prime Minister of Pakistan, saying, look, this is the Egyptian girl, this is the Egyptian girl, she's from Egypt. The same, I think the fact that you have the, all the international um, scholars and also their respective heads of states, it also kind of brings hope for them because they can see that there is this good transition of, you know, of their wisdom or of their heritage in those people. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, you are a true inspiration to you, all of the young leaders uh, throughout the, not only the SEO region, but the entire globe. Thank you for being on the Scholar on the Belt and Road. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you for listening to Scholar on the Belt and Road podcast. Be sure to subscribe. And uh, just for your information, this is a two-part series from Baku Forum, uh, where we also had a chance to talk to the Young Leaders Program participants uh, who have had a unique chance, a really unique chance, to be on the panel in front of world leaders. And they have discussed the most pressing issues that concerns our world today. And I hope you tune in in exactly a week. <laughs>